Risk Express, The Gardens Between, and Shummel Hummel. This is Staying In. Everyone's got a favourite Twitter account, right? I mean, I'd have, to, I'd have to think about it. I mean, I could probably come up with one. Okay. Well, you think about it, Dan. But, you know, I can tell you mine straight off the, straight off the bat. Is that what it's called? <laughs> straight off the act. That was a that was a cleverer joke than it really deserved. Yeah, my favourite Twitter account. Actually, it's between it's between two, but I'm gonna I'll throw that in at the end if this doesn't please you. And it's at okay, that's important. At least used emoji. Okay. And what this Twitter account does is basically it's run by a bot and it counts every time a particular emoji is used on Twitter and then every day it tweets out what the least used emoji is currently on Twitter and um, for the last sort of 80 days it's been the input symbol for Latin capital letters which is the blue square um, with A, B, C and D in it and I like that. I like that every day I just get a little input of what the least used emoji on the whole of Twitter is but what actually brought me to this is that for a long time it was the aerial tramway emoji was the least used um twitter emoji and what happened was was that there basically became like a massive upswell of support for the um what like a kickstarter campaign well kind of like there, there was like these people who who sided with the aerial tramway and did their utmost by using it to make sure it wasn't the least used emoji on, on twitter and, and at one point they had a battle with the non-portable water symbol emoji so, so that's almost like when people have those campaigns to try and get a particular song to number one in the charts at christmas Yes. Or to topple a particular song from being number one in the charts at Christmas. Yeah, but it was great. It was just people posting non-portable water symbol emojis and aerial tramway emojis for for days as like a fight between these things. Uh, It was, but yeah, it's such a it's such a wholesome use of Twitter. And like Twitter is not the best place really at any time. But I just like the fact that every day I get this little like jolt of right, okay. Still, the input symbol for Latin letters is uh, is there. That's where society is at this moment. And it is. And my second favourite Twitter account because everyone's got one. And and unfortunately, this is a bit of a visual um, uh, Twitter account. But I I thoroughly have you both got Twitter open at the moment? I'm on and, it. Go hit me. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. It's at. Okay. That's the important bit. Dark stock photos oh now i've heard of this and basically this is a twitter account dedicated to posting up the weirdest stock <laughs> images that you have <laughs> like you know how on a news thing they'll use just a stock image to to illustrate something like at work when we're using images to like simulate all oh, the pound has fallen you just find a stock image of someone holding some pound coins you know as a, as a cheap and easy way of like illustrating a video or a clip or whatever but here for some some reason all these weird like stock images have been like there's one here of a woman covering another woman's face with a tissue while injecting her neck and someone has made that as a stock image that you could that you could buy um i I like the one which is a toilet seat where on the toilet seat (laughs) there is a ring of upturned thumbtacks i know there's there's one i'm looking at here where it is Four versions of the same image. It's the same image four times, which is essentially top down on a 
um, a wooden table with two fists <laughs> I can there, see it. Yeah, people okay. being angry, yeah. and underneath it is lettering. <laughs> and for the same image, they've got that typifying divorce, pain, cardiovascular disease, and the Ebola virus. <laughs> Literally a one-size-fits-all my god one, image an, another one just scrolling up from that is an image of santa claus face down on the pavement and a chalk and it's him he's been chalk outlined but also everything he's left has been chalk so his hat's been chalk outlined all the presents that have fallen out of his sack have been chalk and then and then you scroll up from that and it's a bit <laughs> it's a picture of santa claus swearing and having a smoke outside <laughs> by a wall i think it's... i found my new favorite one my new favorite one is 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 a guy taking a selfie of himself <laughs> and clearly the poo he's just done but the camera angle is from within the toilet <laughs> so the camera is looking at him taking the selfie and you the camera is in the place of the poop um, i mean do you think they the people who pose in these photographs how much context do you think they give them well as, as someone who has done numerous photo shoots all uh, right all right Oh, right. you, you neatly segue that in there. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At any opportunity. I imagine they were probably tricked into pulling the poses that they did, not realising what it was. <laughs> well, I don't know if... Well, there's one where there's, there's... There's one where there's a doctor with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he's looking grimly at what I assume is his, his own x-ray of his own lungs. <laughs> it, it is wonderful. Dark, at dark stock photos. It's a, it's a great... And again, it's just like... What I, I, I sort of like to you like Twitter to be is just those little surprises that you get where like every day or once every couple of days you'll just get like an image of a man choking on a drumstick or another image of a man half standing up from an office chair holding his glowing red groin. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I I love I love all that kind of thing. I think at dark stock photos and at least used emoji, my my two faves. You guys went to Frankfurt. I wanted we to did. go. We did, but unfortunately for me, work intervened and I wasn't able to attend, even though I had bought flights. Um, <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, so tell me all about it. T hang on. Well, I will say when I first told people at work that I might be going to Frankfurt, their okay. response was why? And then <laughs> they referred to it as being like someone from Germany coming to England and visiting Reading. Now, I'm not, yeah. I don't know Reading. It did, they didn't say I mean, it in a way Reading's that made me not really think, the financial hub yeah. of the UK. But that that was I don't know Reading, so I can't say it, it didn't come across that they were saying that as a compliment to Reading. So 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 tell tell me how was Frankfurt? Uh, well, uh, this was a pre-stag. Yeah. So Sam has got his stag next month. Okay, good. And this this was a pre-stag because you wanted to go abroad. So this was just a, a, an intimate gathering. Just a, a quick city break in the German city of Frankfurt, a time when it was quite cold, quite incredibly cold. Yeah. There was like there was snow in the UK, for example, and knew nothing about the city except that flights were very cheap yes. from Manchester to there, like twenty six quid or something. Yeah, ridiculous. So me, you, and two other mates went along there. And we stayed in a lovely place, in a lovely Airbnb. I gave them a five-star review when we got back. Good. Um, even, we even got a five-star review. We did indeed, yes. Boris and Olga. Casa Olga. I can highly recommend that in Frankfurt if you ever, ever plan to go there, listener. <laughs> 
And and to be honest, we didn't really care what kind of city it was. It no. was just a novelty being abroad with some mates and uh, the possibility for me of pretzels and sausages. And it did not disappoint no. in that regard. In that two, in those two regards, you definitely had pretzels and sausage. So Sam, can you sum up Frankfurt in three words? Uh, Covent- Coventry gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird city. I mean, that that sort of summation of your colleague Dan is pretty much on the nose. I don't want to hate on it because it's blatantly a lot to do, and there's tons of like really great places to go and eat. And we we found some fantastic places to eat. We found some lovely things to do while we were there. But there was a lot of hunting to be involved. Like if if you go if you go to Frankfurt, I think you would get the most out of it if you'd been with someone who either a had been there before or be live there whereas if you go to a city like say for example london or manchester or like budapest or somewhere like that you because things are sort of localized in in like hub areas and so say for example like bold street in liverpool or the northern quarter in manchester or like certain areas of london things kind of congregate together so you can end up on a street where there's lots of like places to eat or there's lots of places or lots of like pubs and clubs are all grouped together in frankfurt everything seemed to be a lot more disparate so it's like when we when there's one place where we wanted to go and eat at night but it was totally booked up and it was full and then you can't we were kind of like looking around to see if anything anything else was there and like the next restaurant was another walk down down the road like a pub we found was was pretty much in the middle of a, of a very nondescript street uh not really surrounded by any other pubs so like that's why it had this kind of weird atmosphere like it is a district hub but dotted without around it are some really interesting and really nice places to go but for us because we were only there for probably less than 48 hours it was perfect because we didn't have much time to fill and so we were able just to like go out for a few drinks go out for some food and then you know that was it that that kind of filled our time if you're staying there for a week i think we would have struggled yeah i think i think sam dan's already thinking fresh from sim city builder yeah i would i would have designed a better city than that. yeah absolutely you put all it? of your restaurants together obviously yeah exactly. <laughs> right so dan uh two very important words there or it might be one word i'm not too hot on my german curry first oh i'm listening you've had, you've had curry first haven't you dan you strike me as a man who's curried his verst i think i have had a curried verst uh i'm 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 au fait with the brat first world the brat first universe the brat universe brat universe something like that so i so i am au fait with that so so tell me of your curried brat first experience well well sam you found this it was supposed to be the best in frankfurt it was it was called the best versed in frankfurt which kind of is a i don't know if that's a pun or that's an unintentional pun it kind of sounds like a pun at the best worst so the whole day our like one day full day that we had was obviously surrounded by two things first of all frankfurt's one and only board game shop and second of all which we'll come to obviously you go to frankfurt and that's one of your stops it's a a pre-stag it's a pre-stag wait till you wait till the stag i i assume that we're going to the hasbro factory for my stag day or whatever and yeah then it was a curry verse and i i found it trip advisor's great for this kind of stuff and we went there and it was just like it was a again it was a little bit out of the city we had to walk about 10 15 minutes out from the center of city to find it and found this little uh like 
hut like basically you like know those things that you get outside football grounds and stuff like that you know just those little like carts and the best curry was there and it was incredible they even had a vegan verst for awkward people like me which i was delighted at and i think one of the best things they did is they had like a nando's style sliding scale for how hot you wanted your curry sauce and how and what sort of spices you wanted on your sausage so you could really so like with some things like with curries and things like that it can be a very personal experience like it can taste great but it could just be too hot or not hot enough for you so i love places that have that wonderful like can cater to your taste and what you want and we each had something different and it was like nine euro for curry versed chips a drink and then the densest bread that you've each oh my gosh. each slice was like eating a loaf it was it was yeah. brilliant it was extraordinary yeah and we'd also we washed it down with the local oh was yeah. it apple vice which was apple vine it's just hot apple vine. it's just hot cider yeah just mold cider basically but it was great and we we played probably one of the most least successful games of shithead ever oh yeah well outside. it's good for the edit yeah we went and had apple vine uh in this li- in this little market and again one one thing that we just weren't expecting and i was like there's a market markets are always great and uh yeah so we got some apple vine for like a couple of euro found a little table and we started playing shithead until all the cards pretty much blew away they um, blew into the group sat next to us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were attacked by queens and clubs but yeah it was lovely and then um went around the cathedral and just did a bit more walking but the majority it was my pre-stag what i wanted to do so we went to the board game shop it was a tea-free terminal entertainment well done they had was it a comic book shop first and then the board game shop or was it a board game yes shop the comic then? shop the comic book shop i believe is yeah it was older than the um game shop yeah so they got two separate shops now one's one's a dedicated comic book shop which was lovely we went in it briefly and the other is a dedicated board game shop and we went on this quiet saturday afternoon and there were people in tables playing games uh while we went in there and the collection of stuff they had was just incredible it's it's extraordinary like an aladdin's cave yeah that we just found you know loads of stuff that really difficult to find in in britain loads of stuff which you know just hasn't seen hasn't even seen the light of day in britain like not even been english copies of them have been printed and and even some stuff that hasn't even come out uh yet in england but has uh, uh, but has come out in germany and it's just a fun it's a fascinating environment and it and and it kind of reminded me about how in germany especially that kind of culture is really embraced and that kind of atmosphere and those kind of shops you know just just the idea of having games like we went into a a bookshop at the train station the amount of board games they had in there again was absolutely incredible it was it was astounding like they're just their their, their love of of games of spiel and we were like it was touch and go whether we're gonna get our train and there was sam agonizing oh yeah over whether to purchase his eighth roll and right or whatever it was is it my eighth i don't know no i was saying i I plucked (laughs) that number out the air yeah i had i so so we went we always knew when I, as soon as we went to Germany, it was the first thing I looked up. Where's the nearest board game shop? Because that's the kind of guy I am. And so I had a list of games I wanted to get while I was out there, or at least look for. And of the list of, I think there's about three, I got one. But of course, I bought two others. <laughs> uh, bearing in mind, Dan, we've got no hold luggage. Everything's <laughs> yeah. cabin bags. 
Um, yeah, so we didn't have any hold luggage, so it's like I literally brought nothing. So I hadn't, I knew I had enough room in my bag on Ryanair to get back, or a coat big enough to put stuff in the pockets. <laughs> Always thinking. I can't believe you went all Space the way Hulk. to Frankfurt just to buy some more, some more board games, considering the size of your current collection. Well, it's no different to people going to Calais and just stocking up on wine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I well. <laughs> mm. Or I'm not. I'm not so sure. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't the only reason that I went. It well, was well, we've talked about it, and a good portion of our conversations been related has been reserved for this one particular board game shop. Yeah, but Dan, if you've been to Frankfurt, you'd understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you weren't there, man. You weren't there. You didn't see it. But what's been great is, like, we went there. I bought a ton of games. Chris, you bought a couple. Bought of a games. couple of expansions. I spotted one for the Duke, which Ooh. was just I never didn't even know it existed, which was great. Yep, they're really tough to get hold of, actually. The Duke expansions, and you even bought me a game, which is really nice of you. And this weekend, I even managed to go away and, and play some of them and introduce some of them to the family, and they all went down really well, which is always the risk. It's always I was I was I was explaining like it's really weird that I bought all these games and. And then when everyone's just like, oh, why don't we, oh, should we play something new? I'm always really apprehensive because I get, I get actually get quite anxious about introducing games to to other people because I worry that they're not going to like them or like they're not going to get the rules and all that kind of stuff. But everything that we got from Frankfurt was a, was a hit, was a success. But that's for a later thing because we need to talk about the rowdiest night of Frankfurt. It was. We need to talk about. Did you? The night. Did you go out? Did you go out on the town? Were you? Were you? Oh, Dan. We taking the that. getting the Steins and all the all the uh, uh, Bavarian knights and all that stuff. Is were you really kind of getting kind of deep down in the culture of the of of Bavaria uh, uh, and of Germany? I'll, I'll I'll set the scene, Dan. I'll set the scene. Right. First of all, we were back at the Airbnb. Okay. 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 Already, you've gone off off piece to what I was thinking. But okay, <laughs> we were Boris and August. Chris had his four pack of Rattler beers. Yeah, two point five fruity beers down that I discovered. Okay, okay, point- again, you're you're <laughs> drifting, you're drifting from from kind of the 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 line you were meant to be going down. But okay, fruity beers back at home. Um, I was I was uh, I was eating my tuna pizza. Okay, Ooh. I'm getting concerned that you're not going to be able to pull this back. <laughs> oh god, we also had chicken nuggets which we had to do in the frying pan, Dan. The only way this could the only way this could be pulled back now is if you say, and that was the preamble to our night night out on the town. That was the night. Uh, we I had some really interesting corn rice chocolates. <laughs> And then and then we played several things, but what happened most is Chris got a copy of Risk Express from a charity shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My my local charity shop here. I was I was just in there. It's a brilliant charity shop, and I saw this game for two pound fifty, and I thought Risk Express. That's interesting. So I did what I usually do now, and I see a game in a charity shop. I googled it, and I, I saw copies of it going for like fifty quid because it's designed by Reiner Knizia. So Dan, do you remember you bought me that Lord of the Rings confrontation game, which yes. is really tricky to get a hold of now? Well, he designed that, so that really piqued my curiosity. And two pound fifty, I thought I might as well buy it. And it's a dice. Oh, you, you didn't game. do what Sam did when he saw a grossly underpriced game. <laughs> Kindly tell the charity hey, shop that hey, it's grossly hey. underpriced. Hey, hey, that was sealed. 
that was sealed. If it if 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 it was not sealed, like actually to be fair though, Chris's was brand new because all the stuff was still in its um. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was inside. ever played. No, no, it's never played. I, I think just children got really disappointed. It was basically a Yahtzee game where instead of that really long game of Risk, which is like hours and hours, apparently this takes twenty minutes. Although I've not played a game of it yet that's lasted longer than about an hour, um, and you've <laughs> essentially got. Like like in Risk, but um, you've got the different continents split up onto different discs, Dan. And basically, each disc requires you to roll certain dice on your roll. So you roll, you chuck all the dice on the table, and then you choose which dice you want to put on the, that particular line. And you've got other lines you've got to clear through, but you can't clear through more than one line per roll. So then, obviously, those those dice now on the on the on the uh, country now, and you, you've got to roll the remaining dice and try and get those remaining lines with the remaining dice. And if just one dice doesn't fit that um, what you've got left, you you take them all back and you've not secured that country. But if you do manage to get it and you get the rest of that continent, you flip them over and you score that at the end. However, if you are one shy of completing your continent, or if you've only if you've only just started a continent, other players can steal the tile off you that you've just worked for ages to get. And then they may, they may just do it in one go with the luck of the roll. And it's even more worse because they have to work extra harder. They've got an extra line to actually roll in order to do that from you. So actually, I feel what, like what, that's what, the what, true what, purpose of the game, to just really oh, piss off one person who spent oh, ages oh, working and away. And, and by the looks and in your faces, I, I, had nearly, I think I could tell which one of you pissed off the other one. I nearly <laughs> managed to collect all of Europe. I went from dominating the game to having nothing left at the end to score. <laughs> And and uh, um, and Sam seems to be brother-in-law Ed. Um, there was one tile that he just got fixated on. There was no strategy at all in him trying to get it, but just on principle, he did not like the idea of anyone scoring it. So he just kept rolling, and we just kept watching, get disappointed. And obviously, us around the table are thinking, actually, yeah, I've, I've got a strategy. But I'm going to put that on one side next. I want to go for that tile that Ed's going for, just yeah. because it will really irritate him. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we just kept doing each other for an hour. Just watching people roll dice and then seeing somebody else roll the dice that you wanted. It's, um, it's, it's just we, brilliant. Yeah, we were up till about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning playing that game. But it, it for me, it's... So at, uh, one of the games I bought in Germany was a game called Illusion by Wolfgang Vorsch, who at the moment is the game designer who literally cannot do a foot wrong. And his latest Kickstarter has just come out. And it's a combination of him and the guys who made Monica's and honestly, like, yeah, yeah, call off the wedding, mate. I've got, got to put my money into this bad boy. Um, but no, I, I can't get it. But I, I, I would do if circumstances financial were better. But um, but yeah, but Illusion is a, a very, very simple game where you have a stack of cards that are a mix of abstract shapes, all made up of one of four colours, red, green, blue, or yellow. And on your turn, basically what you've got to do is you've got to, you'll be playing a particular colour on a particular round and you've got to put your card in the row of cards where you think it goes depending on how much of a particular colour it's got in it. So if you think it's got more red in it than the previous card you put it to the right of that one or if you think it's got less of another card you put it to the left of that and if on your go you don't think the order is progressing from left to right of less to more colours or one particular colour of these abstract shapes and patterns you can go no I don't think that's right and all the all the cards get flipped 
over on the back it tells you precisely by percentage how much of that color is in that card and you go on up the line and, and, it, and it's in this wonderful box Dan it's in the same size box as the mind and it's only only was like 10 euro in in Germany when I bought it but like risk express it does a wonderful thing with a group of people where even though you're all competing for something so you're all competing to to put the cards in the order or you're all competing to get control over a country you you also as a group take joint delight or joint disappointment in the success of someone else so for example in illusion you could lose by being the idiot that put the card in the wrong place but you can also take delight in knowing oh you were so close like and everyone shares that delight of it was just one percentage out or you sharing the delight of even though you said no this line is wrong but it turns out to be right and there's like nine cards in a row and they're all exactly in the right order that they should be like you can't be disappointed at that because it's a fantastic feat of you know luck and deduction and skill and risk express is the same it's like you can't all of the game hinges on these dice rolls so when someone gets it even though they're taking like a continent from you or taking like a nation from you or they've won the game you're still delighted for them because like the the numbers come up like you're all sharing this group thing and it's lovely and also by two in the morning you're just glad the game's ended (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's why that but if you think about it like other than a tiny little bit of like depth in its mechanics of which dice you actually use and when to put in your battle line like that is the game with risk express you are literally just throwing dice and hoping that what you need comes up so it hinges the whole game hinges on that on that group sense of 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 joint commiseration or joint celebration when the numbers come up or they don't and it's just wonderful that it just manages to do that so by the by the sounds of it as we talked a few episodes ago about risk the 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 main board game it doesn't sound as though risk express shares a lot of the game with its kind of parent game do you feel from playing risk express that you have any a better understanding of what how you would play risk and all that because i think when we played it none of us had really played risk all that much before and none of us really knew a lot about it so do you have any other under, any further understanding now the the only the only thing that's exactly the same as a board game is everyone always goes for australia first because it's like literally like yeah. one horse one general and one cannon and you've got like two points yeah it's it's interesting because hasbro did a few of these like they tried to create like travel or express versions of their big titles and this was the only one that really did well was the risk one all the other ones didn't weren't as good and i think it's part, part in part because it's ryan knitzia doing the design work for it yeah and he's really good at those as abstract style games um, and and actually distilling the essence of what makes risk interesting is actually about that sense of area control yeah but rather than just that painstaking process of slowly planning and moving your figures from one space on a board to another you know which can take goes and goes it's instantaneous the luck of the roll you can just swap um, swipe it away straight away really essentially from the other player and that's what just keeps it fresh and dynamic back and forth like Europe just keeps getting passed around the table yeah and like uh, and, and again it comes down to that dice roll thing if like someone wants to steal part of your your collection of nations and it all just hinges on them rolling a dice like the rest of the group will celebrate if you manage to steal it or he will celebrate and the rest of the group will commiserate if you don't which unlike risk which i imagine that if you manage to steal a nation from something it's like yeah well done 
good skill yeah you work that one out well or you backstab someone through an agreement to get to get what you want because the level of mechanics and the uh, tools that you're using to play with the game with risk are a lot more complex and devious there's not that instant sort of gratification those massive sort of highs and lows that you get that you get in risk express and i still do want to play risk but i think i still want to play risk legacy because i just can't imagine putting all my time into a game that i might not enjoy or might get something a little bit more out of after it's finished so to answer your question dan no but then i can't remember the question so i'll say yes maybe but we also played a game which your brother-in-law was astonishingly good at, which was A Fake Artist Goes to New York. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, he hates that game. He this hates that game. I've, I've had falling outs with your future brother-in-law in terms of games, playing with him. He's always someone who, who always basically betrays me or sabotages me. What was the game we played? The one in space? Oh, Cosmic Encounter. Yeah. Love that game. Love it, love it, love it. Don't play enough of that. I'm, I'm too trusting. <laughs> And he, he has yeah, a no, trusting it, face, it, so I trust him, and then he he stabs me in the back. But Dan, it was your it was it was your race of people. That's what's brilliant about Cosmic Encounter. You you weren't trusting. How you played your race was as a trusting. Mine were always <laughs> flip flopping. Codmen. <laughs> So Dan, how's your drawing? Do you like drawing kind of games like picturing that style of game? Drawing, drawing within a game. Oh, sorry, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I d- I, yeah, I do. I do. I enjoy that. Yeah. Well, well, imagine this. Imagine Dan. This is the premise of the game where you are a gallery owner and you have commissioned artists to uh, create works around a particular theme. So, for example, when I did it the first time round, I <laughs> posed this theme. I wrote it on a sheet of paper, and the theme was fruit. And then on these little tiny dry white boards, I write um, what the fruit it is I want it to be and I write pineapple oh no Sam wrote pineapple sorry and he passes it around to each of us we each get our own little dry white board with pineapple on it we see it secretly except one of us looks at their dry white board and all they see is an X and they realise that they are the fake artist so they know the theme the theme is fruit the aim of the game is for no one else around the table to realise they are the fake artist and what we do is we take a pad we have our own coloured pen so we can easily trace it back to who was the person who drew that particular thing and all we draw is one line and pass it to the next person so me oh, say if I'm the fake artist just like this I'm trying to think what it's called yeah 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 so say if I'm the fake artist so what I did because I, I I saw the clue was pineapple I drew a little curve you know to be like the top bit and um, I passed it to Ed and Ed straight away completed it as a banana <laughs> And we all just looked at him. <laughs> it, was, it was like that time, you know, on my 30th birthday where we played Spyfall for about four oh, hours straight. Gosh, that was in Liverpool. It was like that time where Ricardo, we, the, the, the scenario where we were in a nightclub and someone asked Ricardo, what can you hear? And he went, nothing. And we all went, spy. <laughs> it was like that. It was just like the perfect ruse, the perfect question. But Fake Artist is, again, it, and, and it's a bit like Monica's. It's one of those games that, yeah, Dan, as you say, you probably have played it as a party and someone's probably called it something else because all you need is lots of different colored pens and a piece of paper and that's it you've you've got the game but again what i love about what monica's does and what fake artist does is kind of collects everything you need in especially in fake artist case in a tiny tiny box like that is i think it's one of those like are they called like cigarette boxes yeah i was just thinking yeah that's half how because the company that makes them have created a set haven't they all similar sized boxes like that sort of styling that kind of atmosphere that it creates you get you you get like an op 
like a perfect little pad of sheets that allows you to write in like the theme and the name and who the artist is and we took it to the degree where as soon as we played that first round as soon as ed started drawing his banana i was like right i'm keeping all these pictures i'm keep all these little little pieces of paper i'm keeping them when they're all done i'm gonna frame them because this is absolutely beautiful and i love that feeling of knowing that this game is just gonna go on and on and like we played it at the weekend when we were with the family and again it's just that we at first we played it like sitting down around the couch and it wasn't as fun because people were like hiding their pieces of paper and like drawing their lines and passing it on but as soon as you take it to the table and you and people playing it and like drawing face down it's like it's like spyfall because you can see as they're drawing like that thought process of I don't know what I'm drawing, 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 that will do, and then passing it over to the next person, it's it's wonderful, it's great. But yeah, you can you can play it with any old piece of paper and a pen, brilliant. No, those kind of, those. I'm actually really, really getting into those games, I literally pick up and play. And they're the great gateway games, but they're just, they're just it's brilliant. And that, a lot of the games we just kept playing were those ones where you just, no fuss, no setup time, you just take it out of the box and it's already set up. Honestly, I've got, I've got especially after going to Frankfurt, I've got so many of them now, like, I can do this because someone asked me to do it for my wedding i can look at my <laughs> spreadsheet of games i own which if you're interested is currently sitting at the number do you guys want to guess i want to guess it's in the 70s okay dan i'm gonna say 59 68 <sighs> so um but yeah things like um illusion and the mind fake artist things like monikers again is really good at this because you don't need to take out the whole deck you can just like pick up a handful put them in your pocket and take them out with you and um uh, cockroach poker hummel sh- shummel hummel um when we were away at the weekend i just put like i just put like a handful of games in my bag and then while we were waiting for our food in the pub we were just like well let's play some illusion like let's play some cockroach poker like just having that ability to take those board games out and about i just love it like when we were in frankfurt like i always had a had like games in my back and when we were sitting in the pub and it was just like well let's just play the mind for 20 minutes and like when we were at the airport yeah we got we played oh my goods oh my on the goods. departure lounge yeah and i and i and i love that I, I love like what that that sort of part of games that i'm in now like when i first started getting games it was all about the big boxes and the massive experiences and you know my house is just littered with like crates and crates of boxes of games and but really what i'm enjoying now more is those little games you know there's those things that kind of bring people together that you can pick up and play in a in a pub or, or whatever and everyone can get some enjoyment out of and I, the value of that is just exponentially more than than anything bigger that i've gotten to play recently have you guys heard of the game gloom yeah got we've got it. a copy yeah we've got a copy it's oh, great yeah it's brilliant it's really good yeah um really... holly and charlie bought it for me for my birthday yeah it's um what you'll like about gloom dan and and this is how you get the most from gloom is really get into character when you're playing it like really have fun with the stories that you're telling because the idea with gloom is you've got to give your characters the worst possible the worst basically you win by whoever's got the most negative negative score um you've got to give your characters the worst possible lives and then you kill them off and what other players are doing to your characters is giving them making nice things happen to them so like when you like oh i've attacked uncle gregory with a 
basket full of bees and then the next turn is just like but uncle gregory was attacked by those bees and then he found love and got married and like when you start making up the stories for the people and like the adventures that they kind of go through in life like all these ups and downs like that's when gloom's at its best it's really really good good for that yeah i haven't played that in a while and i love the mechanic of just these um translucent cards so you can see you can see the points build up and build up as you layer cards on top of them or remove cards let's say it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant i've played that a bit we played that quite a bit and yeah um and every time there's always like a surprise twist in the narrative and it and the and, and the and that pleasant kind of juxtaposition of just this really unlucky or very lucky person um <laughs> It's just brilliant. The narrative is fantastic. And choosing when you want to kill them off. Yeah, yeah. To nip it in the bud and kill them off is brilliant because then suddenly people have that little kind of um, exhalation of, oh my gosh, they've suddenly died. So you're you're throwing these twists to the narrative yourself before anyone can get to you and try and make your person too happy. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's got a wonderful... It's a great game. Um, it's perfect. Oh, well, I, I, a really great game. I'm looking forward to playing it. They could keep it. And another, and, and another great game that, again, you know, you're going out, you're taking Toby out maybe for a quiet evening out for the pub just meeting some friends just you can just slip that in your back pocket and just be like should we play this like really simple to learn everything you need in that tiny tiny gloom box Hey guys, do you want to get an, do you want to get an update on uh, our challenge? Yes, yes. So this is this is charity miles. Hashtag staying in pod if you want to join our team. Yeah, yeah. How many members have we got now, Dan? Uh, I'll check now. Last time I checked, and that was earlier today. We had fourteen members in the group. Wow. Um, so that's fourteen. Yeah, fourteen team members. Still the case. Um, I think of those eight of them. So obviously we're included in that fourteen. Eight yeah. people have submitted miles so far so there's, there's there's six people in there who are just just watching just, just watching chilling, just get involved chilling. yeah yeah i'm really happy though so what would you like to know i've i've made a behemoth of a spreadsheet of course you have i just want to know how much money we've raised overall done well we were doing this now just to talk about january so in january we have raised so far around about just shy of 42 dollars wow that's really good so over a dollar a day yeah so we've continued that on so we're already into a time of recording we've already raised another ten dollars in february there was 650 in the little period from when we decided to do it till january where pete just kind of went off on his own and ran a load um against all of our wishes because we wanted to start together in january but pete said no i'm a rogue i'm reckless but yeah, so yeah, we've been all running. I'd have to say uh, in January, uh, the person who ran the most, just just pipping Pete to the post, was uh, a listener uh, who is putting in some big numbers. Is he someone does. called Mike Dore. So oh, congratulations, Mike. Mike. You were our, you were our highest earner, our biggest runner in in January. And also, I'd just like to say, I mean, uh, us four, we're running for uh, Stand Up to Cancer. Uh, but elsewhere, people are running. We've had people running for Alzheimer's Association, for Girl Up, and for World Wildlife Fund as well. So you can run for any kind of uh, charity that you want, and it's fantastic. So we're we're raising money for all of those uh, charities, kind of as we go. But yeah, it's been it's been a really good start, really strong start, I think. Um, and I'm excited. I think I think we us four. I think we can pick up the pace a bit, though. Yeah, I was going to say we need we need to pick up the pace if we're going to a thousand dollars. Is it for collectively? I, th- I mean, a thousand dollars is a bit. We need to pick up the pace a lot to make a thousand dollars at the moment. 
moment, taking into account kind of our fellow contributors in the team, at the moment we're on course to hit $500. Yeah, so we need to double it. Yeah, so we need to be top of And obviously, the more people who get involved, the, 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 the more numbers they go up. And obviously, the people who are doing it are putting in some great numbers. They're, they're helping us along. They're kind of giving us a leg up that we probably don't deserve because we've, we've we've not done as much as we but, may uh, have wanted as to. As Pete rightly pointed out, every little helps. Absolutely. And the best thing to do so you don't have to run as much is to get more people in the team. Yeah, exactly. Spread the love. Yeah. So if we get lots and lots and lots and lots of people all doing a little bit, then we don't have to do as much. So, no. So, yeah. So, I'm... I'm super excited about where this is going, how well we're doing. Yeah, it's all looking good. Yes, yeah, so just I mean that's that's our that's our numbers. That's our the amount of money we've raised so far. Just check our total. Our total mileage right now is just over 240 miles. So that's very very oh, good. Everybody. I'm I'm extremely happy at that. It's good, but uh, yeah. Can I can I just can I just interrupt you for one second? <gasps> breaking news. Bra- <laughs> literally <laughs> breaking news. Because <laughs> I've just refreshed the app. Oh my god. And Pete and Pete's done some more miles. He's he's he, Pete has done a little bit more. We actually have another person. So this is this is a a ninth person I think altogether. That's submitted some minutes, some minutes, some miles. Some minutes. Um, we have a ninth person who submitted some miles, and that's Nicholas, who's also raising money for Stand Up to Cancer. So welcome, Nicholas. It's brilliant. So yeah, as saying before, you can download the app from all good app stores. You don't have to run, so you can just walk any kind of movement, yeah. and it will track the distance you cover, no matter how big, no matter how small. So if you do like a little walk to work, say, you can just open up the app. And that, that's what I. That's what I. A lot of my miles come from just turning it on. For my walk and run to work yeah. but yeah you can do outdoor walk outdoor run outdoor cycling indoor walk on a treadmill indoor uh, run on a treadmill so yeah plenty of opportunities to, to to rack up those miles and just earn some money for charity so we'd love it the more people who can join the more money we can earn and that would be fantastic for everyone have any of you guys got those games you like to play when you're hungover? When I'm hungover, I like to just sleep. Okay. If, if that's Chris. a game, then yeah. Right. Now, Sam, Sam, are we flirting around the edges of Sam and Chris's breakfast games? Kind of, but I'm talking video games. Ah. It's not just... Now, now, Dan, I'm right in saying that when you're hungover, I would, what I don't want is like bright lights, loud sounds. I want a quiet, meditative experience. Yes. Is that the kind of game you're thinking of, Sam? Yes. So when I used to own an Xbox, I had a game on it called Elo Milo. And that to me was the perfect game to play whilst I was hungover. Because it's like, it was just a simple puzzle game that had some nice, like gentle music. And you just had to like wander through these little tiled environments solving these quaint little puzzles. Nothing too taxing, but it was a one, like it was the games I'm talking about, the kind of games that you play lying down with like the, the controller on your chest and you're just like looking at the screen at the side and just like moving the controller like you're you know you're you're nowhere near the edge of your seat and like you're just like literally all you have to do is like touch a couple of analog sticks and press a button the witness is another one I tell you what, if I play The Witness hungover, I would be violently ill because that game made me incredibly <laughs> nauseous when I wasn't hungover. Is, it, is that just because of the high contrast levels? Yeah, it really, really was, actually. It really made me feel quite sick. So how um, would you feel with something like a Firewatch? Ooh. Firewatch was nice because it was softer, whereas The Witness was quite... It wasn't just the colour scheme. It was how sharp those edges were with the colours. Also, I have to say with The Witnesses, the puzzles were quite intense. Yeah, like you could, and they were the same sort 
Yeah, Elo Milo was great because you could kind of dip in and dip out. Whereas a witness is kind of like when you're on the right track of a puzzle, you've got to keep going because if you lose track of where that puzzle is or the mechanics involved, you kind of you can mess yourself up a little bit. But but Dan, I found a lovely little puzzle game which has been like my puzzle to meditate to because I don't get hung over anymore because you know I'm, I'm great and I do yoga and I meditate and stuff. It's not as like fun a title. Like Sam's hungover games when I was cool. It's like Sam's chill and forget about stuff because <laughs> the world is awful games. And it's called The Gardens Between. Have you heard about this? I've seen I've seen images from it because it's, it's kind of across every platform, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So you can get it on um, Windows, Mac, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and most importantly, Nintendo Switch. Can you get it on iOS as well? No, but I don't think it'll be long until it is released on iOS because for me it's it basically I don't know if I would have enjoyed this as much as I did if it was on PlayStation 4 or Xbox or on a PC like I think having it in its mobile form is the perfect way to play it Um, I agree because Chris you played a little bit of it when I was when I was yeah I was supposed to be leaving to go home Dan and Sam was like oh before you go I don't want to be the only one talking about this game can you, you want to play it for a bit and I sat down with my coat still on I played about three levels of it yeah it, it's, it's it just draws you in but not in a addictive kind of manner it just hypnotizes you the gardens between was voted the mac game of the year oh that's interesting i mean i mean macs aren't known for their games so i'm not saying it was a particularly strong field but still that's quite impressive well it certainly for me it certainly deserves a title like that and even more impressive it got it on something like a mac um because i think this game just shines on if you've got a switch then it's it's kind of a must buy from me but with one little caveat which i'll get to at the end but anyway it's a game by the voxel agents and they before this they kind of have exclusively made like ios games and android games um so this is a bit of departure for them and and, and the game's pretty simple it's about these two childhood friends and they live uh, next door to each other and they foster this friendship over time when one childhood friend moves into the house next door and hence that's why it's called the gardens between because they share the friendship in the it's fostered in the gardens between their two houses and how this game works is is that you're reliving the memories of these two friends from when one of them first moved in to how that grew and grew and grew to like them like chilling on the sofa like watching films or playing video games and all that kind of stuff but what's interesting is is that each puzzle of the game takes place on a small island almost like a diorama uh, in the middle of the water and you don't control the characters at all but what you control and this is the reason why i wanted chris to play it as well because i know i'm going to mess up describing how this game plays what you control is how that scene plays out around them so essentially this game has three button presses left and right on the analog stick and the a button so when you press right the scene plays out so the characters will start moving across the world and when you press left that action reverses and goes back to the start so it's like spooling forward and backwards on like a timeline on like a video or a dvd player or whatever like you're essentially just what the characters do will always be the same and you're just moving it the action forward and back as it as the action plays out and so what you're doing essentially is with a few button presses and a few prompts and depending on on how you're manipulating the time you guide these characters through these little puzzles to get to the end and then you move on to the next one and that's it so are you manipulating the world in this 
thing as you move them forward or backwards are you manipulating the world so you're diverting them in on a certain route so for example there's this one puzzle where you're walking through the route and you just keep on pressing right keep, keep on pressing right to see what would happen and you come to a you come to a dead end but along that route your character one of the characters pressed like this o massively oversized remote control just like clicked it and moved on so you rewind you rewind you rewind but if you hold the action from when he clicks the remote what happens is it is it fast forward a videotape that's next to him and the videotape goes forward and the videotape pops out because it's reached it's reached the end of its playtime and then that videotape then when you spool the action forward creates a ramp for your characters to go up to to go to the next onto the next bit of the of the diorama so you're never actually directly having any effect on the world you're just literally manipulating time and a few objects to change the course of how that scene plays out so when you're so when you're changing time the only things that are affected by the time are the two characters no the whole the whole world's affected by the time as well like there's one puzzle where so you can have it so it's a puzzle puzzle where it's like popcorn spills down off a table and, and it causes like a, a tablecloth to flop over an item that you've got to interact with to finish the level but if you spool forward and put like and manipulate things in such a way that that, that cloth falls on top of something therefore it no longer hides the object you need to interact with with, then you're able to progress through the level so your actions even though you're only manipulating one thing which is essentially the time going forward and the time going back and some objects you're able to have such a dramatic impact on the world that you're inhabit you're inhabiting and it's just it was an absolute joy to play like chris i don't know what what you you know you've sort of like played a little bit of it and then gone away yeah 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 I found it very entrancing. What I particularly like, Dan, and it's aesthetic, is that you are really seeing it through the eyes of these two kids. And like a, an object, a small item, that is just this insignificant thing, which had a massive significance in their memories, that is symbolized by it being a massive object in this scenario. Yeah. So this, so it's, it's an emotional scale. It's not like a, a realistic scale. So that TV remote's massive because that TV remote was a catalyst for this memory, let's say, for example, it was a trigger point. And what you have is the satisfaction of seeing these dominoes lined up and seeing there are gaps in this row. And you can see that they fall, but they only go so far. And your job is to find that point in time to coordinate the other dominoes coming in and filling those gaps. So at the end, when you get to the end of the level, all the dominoes run right to the end neatly and fall over in a line. That's what it feels like. So it's immensely satisfying completing this puzzle where all the pieces are there in front of you. It's just finding not just the right place for them, because you know the place actually often, it's the right timing for it. And what I love is you've got tons of time in, your, in, in the play world because you just, you're controlling it. Um, but, and you scrub through back and forth through time. So it's always at your own pace. So your time stream is different from the players in that game. So it's it's very relaxing. It's as relaxing as you want it to be. Yeah. You can agonize over it for ages if you want to, or you can take great pleasure in just going back and forth and trying to fudge it in places. It's up to you. And because it's only got three buttons, it's going to be perfect on mobile. You can clearly see this is a company that's used to designing mobile games. Yeah, so if it ever comes out on iOS or Android, Dan, I would snap it up immediately. It is My one critique about it is it is very short. I completed it in about an hour an hour and a half and yeah it's, it's like 20 quid for the for the mac mm. version that for an hour's 
play that's that's not a lot i mean it does get me wrong it sounds really really interesting it looks fantastic and I, yeah. I definitely am interested i think on an ipad or something like that it sounds like it would work incredibly Perfect. well on an ipad or something yeah because on an ipad you could you could feel the I, I can also already sort of imagine the sensory experience where you're like scrubbing through like with your yeah, fingers yeah, yeah. just like through the timeline um i can see that happening but yeah the price point is a bit of a is a bit of a sticking point for me because i i was lucky enough to get this when it first came out on the switch and it was in the sale so it mm. made the prospect of buying it a little bit sweeter because i already knew it was it was quite a short game it's such an interesting concept and such a unique sort of gameplay experience that i'm sort of torn about the price point because i think would i still enjoyed it if there was another half an hour or another hour and a half stitched onto the end of this experience like or is the fact that i'm just itching to play more a better feeling to come out of the game with Mm -hmm. if you see what i mean it does remind me of like monument valley monument valley 2 yeah a very simple mechanic that is really really developed and enriched throughout so it feels fresh and it doesn't outstay its welcome no but i think that deal is a little bit sweeter at 9.99 than it is at 19.99 yeah oh no 20 quid no dan get oxen free that's on (laughs) our mobile devices (laughs) i won't shut up about that game I'm 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 genuinely I'm curious as to what the sequel to Cockroach Poker looks and sounds oh, like. Oh, Shummel Hummel. But it's not really a sequel of sorts. It's made by the same company, um, Three Wizards, I think they're called or three magicians um if you saw the box on the shelf you'd definitely think it was the same you know um like a sequel of sorts because it's exactly the same artwork the box is exactly the same size as cockroach poker and all that you get inside of it is literally a deck of cards but what sets shummel hummel aside from uh cockroach poker is that it's a lot more of an interactive and what's the word involved sort of gaming experience now now Schummel Hummel as you'll know Dan uh, is German for cheating bumblebee and basically it's a game where cheating is actively encouraged so the idea of the game is that you've got a hand of cards and it's the first person to get rid of their hand of cards wins there are a few like cheating rules to mitigate someone just like throwing all their hands on the on the floor like you can only get rid of one one card at a time so you can't just like throw all the cards on the floor you can only get rid of one card at a time you can only get rid of your last card by playing it legally in the center of the table and there's one player who's always called the watch worm who's who's responsible for watching all the other players and making sure that they're not cheating so there's always like even though it's a game that encourages cheating there's just enough rules underneath the surface to make it a bit of a fairer playing experience so that's one side of the game but what makes shummel hummel a beautiful experience and we played this one as way with the family with people of kind of varying ages is that the rest of the game in inverted commas like i.e what you're supposed to do with the cards is set up to be one of the most convoluted and complex experiences that creates just the right level of distraction among the players so you feel like you can cheat so you feel like you can get away with what you're meant to be doing so the game is essentially you've got cards in your hand on each card there's a flower in the corner where the petals are a different color to the bud the insidey bit stamen matt no it's it's where basically the pollen is the pollen the pollen bag 
So all you got to do is on your go is you got to put down a card. You got to put down a card in which either the flowers, the petals, or the pollen bag matches a color of a previous petal and pollen bag combination on the table. It's very simple. It's just a color matching game. However, there are cards like the wasp. So if you put a wasp on the table, every other player has got to put their hand on the wasp. The last player to do so has to pick up two cards from the deck. However, if your wasp has a stinger on it and it's a teeny tiny stinger and someone puts their hand down on it, they then have to pick up two cards from the draw pile. Immediately you can see how like all this action is rife for putting a hand down. Whoop, everyone's looking at the wasp. Drop a card on the floor. Um, a butterfly where you have to, you can nominate someone to get a card, to get a card from. There's also... Uh, there's also the pollinator so if you get the pollinator card you have to pick up and you play it you have to pick up the pollen card you pick up that card from the table and you have to throw it at another member of the team another player that you're playing against if it hits them they have to pick up cards from the from the from the draw pile again creating enough sort of distraction to allow you to cheat but the genius bit of this game right the genius bit and the bit that i love the most is that in between each player is a grasshopper card and throughout the entire game your responsibility as a player is to make sure that the player to your left or right doesn't steal your grasshopper card because if they do you have to pay a penalty you have to pick up cards from the from the deck so while you're trying to like pay attention to if there's a wasp coming down or a pollinator card coming down or like example if you're the watchworm you're looking at everyone else to make sure you're cheating suddenly in the corner of your eye you'll see this hand creeping over and you'll see them like someone just trying to distractedly like take your grasshopper card from from like under your view and it's at that moment when you turn to them and go can you get put back my grasshopper card please the person to your left has then taken it's like started to take your <laughs> grass copper car from me. It's like, can you give me that back, please? And there's one when I was doing it. If you're if you're the watchworm and you're responsible because only one person can call out cheating. So if you're not the watchworm and you can see that Grandma Norris is cheating to buggery and you can't say anything, only the watchworm can call out cheating. So I was the watchworm and the watchworm can't cheat. So it really gives them the emphasis to make sure they catch someone. And uh, I was a watchworm <laughs> and everyone just kept on trying to steal my grasshopper cards and I just couldn't keep control. It was like I was in charge of a, of a class of kids and i was a substitute teacher i was because when you're the watchworm you get really really strict you like i was like right i'm the watchworm before we began i was like all all cards and hands on the table i want to see everybody's elbows here no one's putting any, clothes off yeah <laughs> like you're putting your arms on the table right arms on the table right games would begin I, i'd like see people like slowly like bring no 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 and as i was watching people people were stealing my grass i'm like put my grasshoppers back no put arms on the table and like oh there's a wasp so the game just turned into this cavalcade of me trying to deal with the, the situation that was just becoming this absolute shitstorm. And then what made it even funnier is, is that when I finally got things calm and collected, nearly every other player on the table was just sitting there with just one card. And then I had like a whole handful of cards like, what have you done? And then you, then I looked under the table and it was just this sea of cards on the floor. Like everyone had just got rid of them. I was like, what is going on? Like the great escape, yeah. just soil coming out the trouser <laughs> it leg. Just, oh, it's absolutely fabulous. And we, you know, we played like two or three rounds on it and it, and it's not the game that's going to fill a whole night. It's not, you know, it's not, 
a sort of a game that's going to really take over. But for those like 20, 30 minutes you played it, it was just such an exhilarating and, and, and thrilling, a thrilling experience. Like if you won, you didn't matter. It's just like, I've won. That's fine. Just like, right, reset the game and start again. Like the, it's one of those games where the fun is all about the playing. A bit like Cockroach Poker, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think what it sounds like to me is the best drinking games. Yeah, because the whole point of the drinking games is that the rules are convoluted, so that nobody is nobody. You should never ever be able to beat a drinking game because that's not the point. Yeah, because at the end of the game, everyone's drunk, and that's the enjoyment from it. Listen, a question. We've got a question. A question. Someone's asked us a question. Um, What's the question, Sam? Boom. It is on a place where I'm just trying to find it. Here we are. At Lone Gamesman got in touch. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. To you. Uh, They got in touch via Twitter, I'm assuming, because they've got an at symbol in front of their name. Um, But you never know in this crazy world. If you want to get in touch and ask a question on Twitter, then at stayinginpod, stayinginpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Stayinginpod. Yes, we are. Pretty much everywhere, I think. Yeah. You can ask us questions. Please do. Because we're running out. Right. So, at Lone Gamesman says... Question. What is one aspect of the hobby that one of your fellow staying in podcast members raves about or enjoys that you do not and why? I mean, I I don't think mine is going to be all that surprising. I have never really got and understood your love of Magic the Gathering. It's a game that I understand. It's a good game. Do you? But it it just never held any interest for me whatsoever. And I never got any kind of enjoyment from it or similar games. So what At Lone Gamesman is really asking, let's drill down here, Dan, let's drill down, is what what, what one aspect... So Magic the Gathering, yeah, fair enough, as a game, but what one aspect of that of that game doesn't appeal to you it's the, it's i think it's the the card battler aspects and the work that goes into those kind of games that kind of has to be done away from the game it's not just you showing up play the game and walk away you're you're building decks you're preparing your decks you're getting those certain cards in oh, i don't want to do any of that okay you just want to show and go kind of absolutely but what if but then you say that though but whenever you've been to my house and been like we're gonna play and i'll just give you a deck you don't have to do anything it's already built you've been there no well yeah but i mean i also i also don't like card battlers okay i'm I'm not that 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 genre of game doesn't really have an interest for me i I take your point down like i i i have played magic and i have a fine time magic i don't get madly i'm not madly in love with the game magic but i I genuinely really enjoyed my time with keyforge yeah and i think dan that might be the type of game that is in that of that ilk but i find it a lot more streamlined and a a lot less and brain burning than i find magic which as you say i feel like i have to i feel like i'm always forgetting things or not knowing everything and that kind of frustrates me and i get that analysis paralysis but keyforge makes sense to me in in a way that magic doesn't Okay. Yeah. But to to be honest, I I totally understand the criticisms against magic and and their criticisms that I even have against it like the deck building and the over complexity sometimes of of the cards and how they interact with each other. Yeah, totally. I get it. Like the, the, a couple of years ago I would have fought you back on that point and and been all pouty against it, but I'm a better man now. And who who knows it might be the You you're you're, you're a tired man these days. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it might be the meditation, the yoga 
but mainly it's just I'm tired. Maybe there would be one game that would turn it around for you because there are some genuinely good like card games out there that do a lot with just like a deck of cards. For me, if I were to, were to get into a game like that, it would need to be over a prolonged period of time and I ain't got no one around me who's going to be playing those games right. with me. So yeah, digital yeah. versions yeah, no, would no. work better. But again, I'm, I'm, it, I'm not that interested. I tried for, playing for Magic a... online or Hearthstone, which is the equivalent. For a, for a lot of people, they get into Magic when they're quite when they're quite young. Yeah. For some, it's the first card game that they sort of collectible card game that they play when they were younger. I think for us, it was like Panini sticker albums and Pogs. But for others, it's like Magic. And I think yeah. So I totally understand. Like when you've as a kid or like a couple of years ago when I had a, when I had a bit more time on my hands and more than you've got now Dan like I could spend that time getting to know the cards learning it I've got a base understanding of how the entire sort of genre works that I can take forward so I can understand that initial hurdle is too much mm. too much and not appealing well that's me good that's that's the hobby that you guys have that I just don't get what about you uh, mine is something that I think you and Pete have, Dan, which is city building games or any kind of simulation games. I I went through a phase where I was really mad on them, but I, I really struggled to sustain my enjoyment with them. I, I'm not very good at coming back to those titles and updating them. And and like you, we talked about in the last pods, um, Sim City Builder. Like it's extraordinary the amount of because actually it, we were talking about this. Like, it was the reason why I asked you like how long do you play it for? It's like in five minute spells, but you've put in a lot of hours. Yeah, which is five I, kind of as spells. I mentioned in the last episode, I there was a, a really intense competition that I kind of was taking part in and over the five day period um, and I take into account this is just a mobile game and I do also have to work and sleep in this time as well over that five days I put in about 17 hours worth of screen time so that's that's wow. me actually on the screen as opposed to it just running in the background wow. so that's a crazy amount but yeah yeah i i i find that very difficult to sustain that's just me in terms of my own predilection oh yeah absolutely and kind of as i've mentioned to you guys before it was a similar thing to when we played subterfuge i could not maintain that it was a small condensed period of time and then after that I haven't touched it since. I've just literally, I'm not even just carried on playing the game as normal. I've just kind of taken my brain away from it because it's just like, oh, that's done. Okay, take a step yeah. back. But yeah. yeah. For me, those kind of games, it's it's kind of the monotony of them that I quite enjoy. It's... I don't have to. I don't have to spend a long time um, getting into it. So for that, I can go in for that for that five minute. Usually that five minute thing of just top this up, just do a few bits over here, bits over there, and then I'll come back later and I'll slowly see it grow and grow and grow, and then it'll unlock certain things. The problem with those games become when you suddenly need to do a lot of work to do something relatively small, whereas at the start of the game you didn't actually need to do that much to to increase, and that's where I think a lot of people probably yourself as well struggle with those kind of games. Um, I'm I mean, look at simulation. I love football manager games, which are a whole of the beast. And to this day, I still love those and I'll never stop loving them. Ding. And that's mine. <laughs> Is that yours? Um, yeah, probably. Football man, football simulation management games. I just think mm. because city builders, I feel like a bit more in control of and I enjoy, but it's that the, the thing I just don't like about football managers games and that I just can't get along with is that all the effort you put into you press a button and it runs a simulation based on the information that you've put in but I just don't trust the outcome <laughs> I just in like in city skylines I can see I can see the building a pipe 
downstream of my sewage works is not going to have a is going to have a detrimental effect on my people i can see that this is the amount of power that i'm generating and if i distribute it along these channels these are the exact results that i'm going to get from that from that scenario but if i'm playing football manager and i buy all the best players and do all the best training techniques but still lose 3-1 to brighton i feel hard done by i don't like being felt cheated out of my time by a game i get that i think uh i would argue that if you had all the best players all the best training if their morale was the best if the tactic was the best then you wouldn't lose 3-1 to brighton there are it's such a complex game because there are so many variables that you have to take into consideration um which are influenced in a myriad of different ways um would i be right in thinking that you i know you've played football manager you've not played it to um a lengthy extent have you no and i'd probably say it's a probably a flaw in the game because once you've played it for a while you start to see how your choices make a difference but you kind okay. of need to have a fully a full understanding of the team that you've got the the the, the teams that you're playing you're scouting all that stuff so you need to understand the team you're coming up against i'm going to play slightly differently because of how they play because it'll work better and so you, it works best once you've got over that hurdle um and obviously yeah. once you're used to the game that hurdle is probably lesser because you can come in quite early and i think that's i think when you start seeing in the same way that you just said there i have the best players the best training and i lose 3-1 when you start seeing your choices make a difference and you you beat top of the league 3-1 because of the choice that you've made then that's a great experience then you feel like you're fully in control and it's the flip side to how you felt and i completely understand the way you would feel that way the fact that you don't feel in control because i've I, there are plenty of times when i've played it and i've thought i just i don't know what i need to do right here because everything's going wrong and sometimes that happens in football okay dan this is the this is going to be the kicker for me and let me just do a bit of research before i do this you can now get football manager on the switch so i'm willing to try it's not necessarily a good thing but here it is the one thing i love about sport in general is the feeling of you being in control or being responsible for something i.e making the best team the greatest team and seeing them win but it's also about the narratives the underdog stories you know the last minute goal that gets you promoted or the last minute goal that saves you from relegation and being directly in control of that like playing the things i love about fifa is taking a team and getting them promoted above what they could even like achieve and doing things like that and feeling directly control of it and being directly responsible for the narrative behind it like that little bit of luck that goes your way like that to me seems like something that is missing in football managers games because you're just stripping it down to its bare numbers where there is no magic because it's just five beats two in a stat sheet uh i would i'd say there is I think in the same way that there is magic because there is narrative that you put on yourself. As you said that, the first one that came to my head was I remember playing a game a couple of years ago now and for whatever reason I'd, ch I'd chosen to... I wanted to understand the drafting system in America so I decided to be an American um, team and I I was playing it through and, and you make signings so I signed this Swedish guy from... I think he was playing in Sweden at the time he's like a winger and attacking mid... or just like a central midfielder and I started playing him and he was doing well and he was he'd scored a couple of goals so I kind of moved... he was a central central midfielder but I moved him further up pitch I eventually moved him to striker and I converted him into a striker and he became the best striker striker in the league and he became kind of 
His his name was Lasser Sean. His name was um or Las Sean, Lasser Las Sean, and he became the best best striker in the league and top scorer kind of every year. And it was I had that feeling of I've created this, I've I've built this player up to be this kind of superstar. And he's kind of, for me, he kind of came out nowhere. And it was my work that did that because I converted him into the striker because I saw something in him where he was playing that lend itself to there. So I have that narrative of taking him up to when I eventually he he left the club because he decided he wanted to move on. It was a really kind of sad moment because I was losing this player that I'd spent in game time, like four or five years developing and then kind of letting him go. Um, And then it's great. Then when I see him in real life and he's doing well, I feel kind of, I feel great when I actually see him play for a good team um that's interesting it's, it is really interesting and i mean there are so many stories of seeing players in the game and then you see them do well in real life um at the point of where we're recording this um last night there was a in the in the cup a team newport county um beat uh, middlesbrough so it's a kind of a huge difference in terms of the leagues and one of the players who scored was in my i was in one of my teams like five or six years ago and i remember him being a fantastic player and like being one of my star star wingers or something like that and he scored last night and i see him play i'm like oh i remember him he was great i i signed him and i developed him and he was young player and i brought him through there are so many stories like that um and that's i think where that magic comes from that narrative comes from um i'm okay at the game i will get promotions and stuff like that i'm, I'm never kind of just completely dominant um but there are absolutely times where you can have players at the early kind of early game and they're kind of lower down the leagues and then for whatever reason they work really well in the system that you've devised and they get better and better and then the, t- the player that you've got in league two suddenly is your star and you're in the premier league and he's still your star even though because he's for whatever reason still only valued really small it's just kind of it's ah love that game love it love it mm. should play it it's good but not on the switch it'll be terrible on the switch it won't be it's- Got good it, reviews. Great. It's been terrible, and there's a reason why it doesn't really get sold on consoles anymore. It needs to be played with a mouse and a keyboard because it's just the only way. To, it's the only way to really enjoy the game and get the most from it. That's what fingers are for. Cool. That, that's the line we're going to end on. Yeah. That's what fingers are for. That's what fingers are for. No, Chris will find a better one. Well, that was staying in with Daniel Frost, Sam Turner, the spirit of Peter Willington, and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, and hopefully you have, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, if you haven't already, it'd be great if you could subscribe to us as well. And cheekily, if I could ask you to leave a review, that'd be fantastic. If you want to follow us elsewhere also, all the apps are available at Staying In Pod on Twitter, at Staying In Pod on Facebook, and hopefully at some point in the future we'll have a nice little Instagram page as well. All the stuff we've talked about in this pod you can find from other relevant pages, such as on our Steam curated page. We're also on Board Game Geek as well. So we're here to help you decide what it is you want to play, watch, listen to, or just experience. For those who feel that they're late to the Charity Miles party, you're not whatsoever, come along and join our squad or team, I suppose. Download the app from your app store, Charity Miles, and look for the team hashtag staying in pod. All one word. Thanks for listening.